it's a great time of year. Now, I know any time we are alive, it's a great time. But this is an especially great time because we're celebrating uh, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without that birth, there will be no salvation. None whatsoever. Okay? He had to come, be born, live the perfect life, and had to die and rise again for us to be saved. So without his birth, there wouldn't have been any salvations. So I thank God for this time of year. And as we look at just a a passage of scripture, before we get into James, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, uh, we can see a little of that. Uh, we'll, we'll, let's go to uh, 7.14 first. Verse uh, 7, chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, it says in, 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 in my print, a version, but really in Hebrew is the version. The version will be with child and bear a son. Now, it's the version because God had already ordained that Mary is going to be the mother. It's not just any version. Any version wouldn't have been, been, been uh, uh, couldn't be chosen. It's Mary. Okay? So the version, and it says that and she will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Now, this is, this is prophetic. This is before the birth of Jesus, is it not? So we're, we're speaking of God making provision for our salvation even before time of his birth. In, in 9, 6 it says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And then when, when the government rests on your shoulders, uh, it speaks of like kings that had scepters, they, they, and the scepters were on their shoulders, and it speaks of kingship. And kings, they determine the government, as you know, as you read the Old Testament before. And his name will be called Wonderful. That word wonderful is like supernatural. It's like a, a, a wonder. Now, some of you who like comic books, which is a terrible illustration, but it's the only thing that I can think of that, that have a word wonder in it. If you had a comic book, was it a, a hero by the name of Wonder? Okay, right, okay. Now, was she just meek and I couldn't do anything? Well, see, wonder... Is, I mean, do, I mean, do, Jesus, Jesus did wonders, and he does wonders now. And, and, and we need to understand that that is a separate word than counselor. Okay, it's two separate words. Wonderful is supernatural. He does supernatural things. It had to be supernatural because he was born. Is that correct? He wasn't born just a, a natural birth from a uh, father, from a, a, a man and a woman. Is that correct? We're talking about supernatural things. So he's 
wonderful counselor. And he said he'll leave us another counselor of the same sort, which is the Holy Spirit. And that means that he guides, he teaches, he has wisdom, all the traits of wisdom that he is in Christ Jesus. He's the mighty God. He's not a weak God. He's the mighty God. He's the eternal father. He's the father of eternity. He's the prince of peace. The prince of peace. <laughs> oh, he holds that official position of authority as a leader. He's the prince of peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. And he says that the zeal of the Lord will perform this. Now, I mean, that's awesome. I like that. This should not be a scripture. We should not just concentrate on Jesus, the birth of Jesus, or his life, his death, his resurrection, just on these special occasions that um, God has preserved for us that, that we put into existence, Christmas, Easter. It should be our lifestyle every day. We should be conscientious of that because every breath we take, everything we do, we live and move by his being, not by us, by him. Everything has to do with Jesus Christ. And so I like to uh, put that forth, and I'll bring it up later on, that we're going to concentrate on that more in 2010 than just on these special days. Because this is a great time of year, but it should not end just because uh, New Year's is coming and we're into another year. And then we're going to be looking toward, toward uh, probably uh, Valentine's Day and then Easter and all those type of things. We, they are good, but we want to be concentrating on the reason for our existence every single day. And when we do that, I think we'll be more than happy that we did. It's going to change our lives. Now, we are in James, of course, and James, you, you, can, you can pick up any place in the Bible and talk about Jesus Christ. You remember uh, Philip did that with the eunuch. You remember that? Uh, uh, he, was, he, was, he was reading the Bible, and he said, well, you know, do you know what you're reading? No, I don't know what I'm reading. How am I going to know what I'm reading if, if someone don't teach me and don't show me what I'm doing? And so he started there proclaiming Jesus Christ. And we can go to any book of the Bible and proclaim Jesus Christ. And there's no difference when we're in James. Let's uh, read 14, 15, and get into 16. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointed with oil in the name of the Lord. 15. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, why is therefore there? Because of what he just said. He said, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins. We confess our sins because he, we know that he will forgive us if we have committed sins. 
Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, it's important to understand that they have switched now from talking about the elders of the church and they are gone now to the believers. He said, pray for one another so that you may be healed. Confess your faults to one another. Let's look at 1 John chapter 1. Starting in verse 3. Now this is an epistle, this letter here is about really fellowship. And it starts off uh, in verse 3. What have, we, what have we seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Speaking of the disciples, he's talking about the apostles there. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that your joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the perpetuation for our sins and not for ours only, but for those of the whole world. That perpetuation means that he's a total satisfaction. They are done with. They are done. When Jesus Christ died on the cross. They're done. That's exciting to me to know that we can be cleansed of any sins that we might commit. Now he's telling us that so that we won't commit sin. But if we do, we have an advocate. And we can confess our sins. That's why he said over, over in... Um, in James, that we could confess our sins one to another. Most of us, sometimes, we don't want to do that. You know, there are things that keep us from confessing our sins one to another. Usually we have pride. You know, we don't want to admit we're wrong. You know, the big P on our chest, you know, that is not a good thing to have pride that won't confess our sins. See, if, you, if you're wrong, you admit that you're wrong. You, you repent. But many people, it's hard to do that. And it's hard to do that because we are born of Adam. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And see, Adam, uh, he didn't want to own up to his sin, did he? The first thing he's going to say is that, what? Woman you gave me. You know? See, he didn't want to own up to the sin. He didn't want to own up to any sin either, did she? <laughs> no one wanted to own up to the sin. No one, you know? And we have that in us when we are born, and so you have little children, uh, as cute as they may be, you know, they still have that same tendency. They don't want to admit they're wrong, you know. They don't want to ask for forgiveness. 
And if you make them ask for forgiveness, they really don't mean it most of the time. They just say, well, I'm sorry, you know, but there's no repentance with that. So they keep doing the same thing. So that's why, the, 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 you know, the Bible tells you that, that a rod drives out foolishness, right? Okay? Because if you, if you uh, spoil them, if you, you know, you really don't love them. You may think you love them, but you really don't, you see? So I'm telling you that we have to, we have to kill that in us. We have to kill that in us, that tendency to make excuses for our shortcoming. Kill it. It's alive and it's well and it's kicking in all of us. Believe me. Believe me, it is. And if you don't believe, ask somebody that's close to you. Okay? It's alive and kicking in you. Nobody wants to own up to their mistakes. You know? Now, if you tell them, hey, you saying, you know, this is that, that, and they, they might, they might say, well, yeah, I was kind of wrong, you know, but... It's always that but a lot of times, you know. But if they wouldn't have done this, then I wouldn't have said. We have to say, I was wrong. Please forgive me. We have to learn to say that. It's good for our soul. It really is. So that's how he's talking. Now, in in one commentary, was telling telling us that um, this whole section here, starting in verse uh, in James and in verse fourteen, is is talking about. Come to the elders for prayer, prayer, and they will, and healing would take place if it's dealing with confession of sins. Now, I don't believe that uh, because in James, if you turn back to James, it said that, and it's telling you, come to the elders of the church, and they'll anoint you to order, they'll pray over you, and the prayer offered in faith. We'll restore the one who is sick. It says that. And the Lord will raise him up. That's what it said. Then it says, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Then it said that they, that they had, you know, committed a sin. They said that if he had, then it would be forgiven him. Therefore. So I submit that I believe that this two different things. I believe that you can come, you can, you can, you can pray for people and they can get healed and sin is not involved. I believe it. And which we've already taught that before. So we know that. Let's go to Psalm uh, 32, verse 5 and 7. It says, I acknowledge my sin to thee and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and thou didst forgive Give the guilt of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to thee in a time of thou, that thou may be found. Surely in the flood of great waters they shall not reach him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou, thou doest preserve me from trouble. Thou doest surround me with songs of deliverance. Now, the psalmist was saying that I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my sin to you, O Lord. My iniquity I will not hide from you. And I confess my transgressions to you, O Lord. We need to be in a habit of doing that. It's good for our soul. Proverbs 28, verse 13 and 14. He who, he, he who conceals 
his transgressions will not prosper. Let me read that again. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. You won't have success. Simple, plain. Now, does that mean things that God won't bless you? No, God blesses. Um, he, he blesses everyone. He blesses the, the murderer, yeah? And he's not even saved sometimes. I mean, he, he blesses it because the murderer is still living. And, and, and if God, all he has to do is take the breath from him. But as long as the person is living, he's blessed. God blesses, he makes, he, makes, he makes it rain on the just as well as the unjust, doesn't he? God is a good God. Now, what are we to do to correct these things? If we know now, if we know that I, can't, I, I cannot hide my sin, I just must confess my sin, I can't conceal it, then how are we going to correct this tendency that we have inside of us. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, let's look in uh, verse 21. Let's start there. And you have heard that ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Now, that's, that's New Testament, isn't it? Old Testament said, you know, you, sh- you, sh- you shall not commit murder. Okay? All right? But what does New Testament say? What did, God, what did Jesus say? If you are angry with your brother... And that angry, and another, another version might say, if you are angry with your brother without cause. Well, I don't like that version. You know? I like it the way it is, if you're angry with your brother. Uh, because this anger usually is sustained anger. That's what it is, sustained anger. And, and this is anger that calls you to sin. If, you, if, you, uh, if you're angry, don't sin. But most of us can't do that. I can't, you can't. Most of us going to sin anyway, you know? Uh, if we get angry enough. I don't like the one that says that uh, uh, if you're angry without a cause, because if you ask somebody why you're angry, they have a cause, they have a reason. Everybody has an excuse for being angry, you know. And so that's not that's not what God means. So that's why I, I like it from the from my version here. Then it says that whoever says to his brother, "You good for nothing." shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. Now let's get serious, more serious. And whoever say you fool shall be guilty enough to be to go into the fiery hell. Now God is serious, isn't he? So you don't want to be angry and stay angry at anybody, do you? Who's your brother? Who's your neighbor? You know, it's really anybody, isn't it? You like to go somewhere, it's anybody, you know? You don't want to be angry. Especially with a brother-in-law. You don't want to be angry. Especially with a, a, a relative. You don't want to be angry. And we just came out of uh, Christmas where you had the opportunity, if you got together with family and relatives and extended family, you know, to, uh, to carry on some 
dislike or some things that maybe somebody said years ago. All that stuff goes on in holidays. But we're not supposed to be partaking of that. Verse 23, therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Now, what God is trying to do here is let us know that there is not going to be an excuse for not reconciling things. God is not a God that he's going to have people at odds with one another. He's not going to be at odds, and he doesn't want us at odds with one another. He's a God of love, isn't he? And so he wants reconciliation to take place swiftly. And our flesh, with that nature we got from Adam, doesn't want that, does it? We want to be angry with somebody. Yeah? And that's not good for us to do that. Let's look at another place, Matthew 18. And it says in Matthew 18, verse 15 through 17, And if your brother sins, go and reprove him in private. Now we have a different thing here. One said that if, if you're at the altar and you know you have, you know that someone has something against you, you go to him. You go to him. Did you do anything? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. You know, all you know is that this person has something against me. So it says that don't bring your gift to the altar and act like you're, you know, uh, so holy. You go and straighten this thing out because I'm about reconciliation, Jesus is saying. Then he turns around in, in chapter, um, you know, 18, verse 15. Then he says, now, okay, now, if somebody has sinned against you, but they haven't come to you, he's saying, you go to them. Now, tell me, what is left? Is there any wiggle room for someone to be uh, at odds with one another? If you did something, you go to them. If somebody did something to you and, and you didn't do anything, you just there, you go to them still. In other words, there will be no... Break of fellowship. That's why uh, my mentor, he takes communion every Sunday. And he says he takes communion, communion every, every Sunday because he doesn't want broken relationships in the body. Because we're notorious as a body of faith everywhere, all over the United States, the world, for having things against each other. You know? Not big things, not all the time, just here or there, little things, you know. And it's so in our households, isn't it? Whether it's husband, wife, whether it's our parents, children, whether it's children, parents, uh, God doesn't want that. So what excuse do you have? Do you have one? For any, any break of fellowship, do you have any excuse? Suppose someone did something terrible to you. I mean, they did something terrible. They just talked about you. They just, they just you know... If, if, if it bothers you, you need to do what? Go to him. Go to him. Go to him. 
And suppose, now, you know, you didn't do anything. You're just going on your merry way. But you notice that Sister Sue, she won't speak to you for some reason. You don't know why. Oh, you know that you try to talk to her and she act like you don't exist. Do you think that something might be troubling her about you? If it is so, what should you do? Go to her and talk to her. Sister Sue, did I do anything to you? Oh, no, you didn't do anything to me. That's that's a classic lie that we usually tell, isn't it? (laughs) We really do. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, no, everything's okay, you know. Look, you won't speak to me. Tell me the truth. Did I do anything to you? Well, and if you really get down to it, you know, and press them, they will tell you something that you did. And you say, look, forgive me. It's, it's better to ask for forgiveness, even if you didn't do anything, to keep the peace, than it is to uh, say, look, uh, you, 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 got, you got it wrong. I didn't do anything. You uh, imagine these things, you know. Just, just don't even go, go there. Don't even go there. Sometimes when somebody accuses me of something, I say, well, look, okay, if you say I did it, I did it, you know, forgive me. And I just leave it at that. And I don't remember anything I did, but I just said, okay, I did it, fine, you know, forgive me. Now, you can either forgive me or you can hold unforgiveness. And that's not good, is it? You know, somebody has to be spiritual, and it should be the church. And if there's two people in the church, then let the one who's most spiritual be the one who asks for forgiveness first. Let the one who's, who's uh, most spiritual go to the other one first. Yeah. God wants that to happen in 2010. Jesus Christ, we read it from Isaiah 9 and 6 and 7. He is the Prince of Peace. Not turmoil, not strife, you know, but peace. So we need to do that. In this church, I want 2010 to be a year that you are willing to go to people the correct way, as in Matthew. Stop telling your neighbor, stop telling your best friend, stop telling others about what somebody did to you. That's sin. Okay? You need to do what the Word says. Matthew 18 says, if someone is sinning against you, you do what? Go to them privately and you speak to them. Do not say, oh, I, it's no need for me because they're not going to receive it in a way. Uh, why don't you believe the Word of God? Because the Word of God says to do what? Go to them. See, a lot of things, so we think we know more than God. We do not know more than God. What we need to do is do what the Word says and then say, God, I've done what you said and I'm going to believe what you say is going to happen. Okay? And see, a lot of times we don't do that. We stop short of it. And if you do go to them and they don't receive it, then take one or two more with you. And if they don't receive it, then take it to the, to the church. If you do what God says to do, you'll get God results. If you don't, you'll get Satan's results. This is true, you know. What are Satan's results? Yeah. Confusion, strife, contention. You get all of that, you know. 
and you fall into his territory when you're backbiting, slander, and all those type of things. We have to learn to do what the word of God says. Okay? Everybody say amen. amen. Hey, is, this why, is this why we're celebrating Christmas? <laughs> Tell me. Is this why our son was given to us? You know, we read it, Isaiah. We said that all scripture speaks of Jesus. So therefore, let's stop, you know, looking for the Christmas story, you know, and you want to you go be entertained. No, let's walk the word of God out, you know. That's what, that's what we're about here at Cornerstone, okay? Walking the word of God out. We didn't say it was going to be easy. It takes death to this flesh. Let's look at verse 16 of James, the latter part. The effectual prayer, and one verse might say the effectual fervent prayer, of a righteous man accomplishes much, or availeth much, the King James may say. Avails much. What do you mean it avails much in the King James Version? It means have force. It has force. The effectual fervent prayer... A prayer is fervent. I, I, I love, I, I love to see, uh, uh, hear women pray because they're emotional, you know, really. And when something bothers them, boy, they can pray. I mean, they can pray. That's why mothers, you should be praying mothers because you know how to pray effectual and fervent. See, sometimes we as men, we, we as men, we will, Lord, you know, um, work on them, Lord, you know, trying to help them, Lord, and your word says this, and it's like methodical, you know, you know, and, and a woman, you get a woman, oh, Lord, you know, I mean, she's that, she's into this thing, you know, because it's her child, you know, it's her situation, it's her husband's job, you know, it's at stake. I'm telling you, the effectual fervent prayer, a, a fervent prayer, effectual prayer is one has energy. I mean, it has energy. It's earnest. It's vigorous. You know, it's intense in feelings. That's what it means. It's unceasing. It's sincere. And and I know sometimes. I told Minerva. I said, Minerva, uh, man, God's convicted me. Or sometimes I used to go to the prayer room. I'll, I'll pray, and I, and I fall asleep because there's no intensity there. You know, it's not any fervency there. And that shouldn't be, you know. It should be where, you know, you, 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 if you're tired, stand up and walk around when you're in the prayer room, you know what I'm saying? In the house when you're praying for somebody, walk around, you know, walk around. Walk in the rooms of the children. Walk in your, you know, you know, just walk around and get serious about this thing. You have to imagine what is taking place. See, it's taking place anyway, whether you imagine it or not. It's taking place. It's the enemy it's the principalities, it's the powers, it's the rulers of darkness, it's the spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. They are coming against you. They are coming against your children. They are coming against what's yours, you see. And see, you have to, you have to visualize this attack that's going on. They have these, all these swords. They have all this, this weaponry. And if, and if you're sitting in your chair, you know, falling asleep, nodding off while you're praying, nothing is happening. I'm, I'm serious. Nothing is happening. Okay? You got to get up and you got to get serious about this thing. 
And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be into battle. You imagine you have your sword and you just, you just like Zorro, you just put some Z's on him, you know? That's what you gotta do. You know? Because this, the battle we're in. And you don't have to believe it. All you gotta do is just read your Bible. You know? Read your Bible. It's there. That's what affects your fervent prayer is. A fervent prayer is energetic, is intense. It's intense. It's intense. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's intense. Okay? You say, well, God hears my prayer. I don't have to get all serious about this thing. I don't have to get loud. I can just say, God, heal him. You know? Get serious. Get serious. That enemy not coming. Do you realize that unclean spirits not leaving somebody unless they are commanded to leave somebody? You gotta have some authority. Now authority is not in volume, but authority is in intenseness. It's in seriousness. It's in fervency, energy. Now a righteous person is one who has conditioned their lives by the standard, which is not theirs, but God. Our standard is God's standard. We'll condition our lives by the word of God, which is God's standards. What other prayers are effective besides the affection of fervent prayer? Are there any other prayers that's, that's, uh, that's really effective? I want you to find a prayer, you know, or a command in the Bible that's, that's not effectual, not fervent. Find where Jesus say, he yawns and said, Lazarus, I'm about to nod off now. Uh, come forth. No, uh-uh, no, no. You're dealing with death. You're dealing with you're dealing with serious things here. You got to get serious. I don't care if it's a few words. You don't have to say no long prayers, but you got to be serious. You got to be fervent. Another type of prayer, uh, besides affection fervent, is of course one that's by a righteous man, which is the same in, in in James. Another one is a prayer of faith. Let's turn to Mark. Now, Mark has one because it's important to know that there is a prayer of faith. There is a prayer of faith. Okay? Now, what I mean by a prayer of faith, that means when you pray, you just believe that you receive, and that's it. It's done. It's serious. It's over. Don't have to pray again. That's it. That's it. Gone. It's done. If we look in verse 12. Through 14. You know, he said to the fig tree, you know, uh, he, saw the, he saw the leaves on the tree and he went and perhaps there were some uh, leaves on it uh, and perhaps there were some figs on it and he didn't find any. So he said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Now, he didn't, he, he didn't have to stand there an hour and jump up and down, you know, and, and do anything, did he? He just spoke it. And then he left. They left and they came back. And then Peter, verse 20, says, As they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roofs up. And being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you curse is withered. And Jesus answered, saying, said to him, Have faith in God. 
Truly I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them. It said, believe that you have received them, they will be granted to you. Now it says also, this is important now, whenever you stand praying, forgive. For if you have anything against anyone, so that your heavenly Father will forgive you of your transgressions. And in the margin, it'll say, parenthesis said, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of your trespasses. The prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. Oh, it's so good, the prayer of faith. If some, God gives you sometimes faith to, to believe that whatever you say is done. You just speak it and it's done. So we have, we have effectual, fervent prayer, the prayer of a righteous person. We have the prayer of our faith. Now we have a prayer of importunity. What's importunity? Importunity is shameless persistence. I mean, you just persist on this thing. There is no shame. You're just going, you're just going at it. You're not going to let up until you get it. It's the opposite from the prayer of faith. This is a prayer of importunity. It's a prayer of shameless persistence. I'm going to keep praying until you get the answer. I'm going to get this thing, God. I'm not letting up until you give it to me. Let's look at um, one here. Let's look at Luke 18. Let's look at that one. That's a pretty good one to look at. In Luke 18, verse 1 through 8, it says, now, he was telling them a parable to show that they should at all times should pray and not lose heart, saying, A certain city, in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God, nor did not respect man. So he's, he's pretty bad, isn't it? And there was a widow in their city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For while he was unwilling, but afterwards he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God, nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, what do you mean bothers him? She kept coming. She kept pursuing. She kept on coming. She going to knock at the courthouse door. She going to say, hey, hey. I haven't gotten an answer yet. Would you please get my opponent off me? You know, protect me from my opponent. And he kept doing it. She kept doing it. She kept doing it. She said, man, this is what has bothered me. I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Hear what the unrighteous judge says, Jesus said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect? Who cry to him day and night and will not delay. Will he not delay long for them? In other words, I'm going to come to God. I'm going to keep coming to him day and night, morning, noon. I'm coming to him. Afternoon, I'm coming to him. God, this is what's going on with my daughter. 
God, this is what's going on with my son. God, this is what's going on with my husband. God, this is what's going on with my wife. God, this is what's going on in his job. This is what's going on, God. This is what's going on in my country. Look, God, you got to have to answer this thing. I'm going to keep coming, God, until I get the answer. Do you believe that he's going to answer that thing? He said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. He said, God's going to do that thing. But he says, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Do you have faith enough to do that? Do you have, do you have belief in God enough to keep coming to God? Or do you say, well, you know, he didn't answer me, so it must not, he must not want me to have it. See, that's what, that, if you think that way, you don't know the scriptures. See, see we're not talking about the, the prayer of faith. A prayer of faith says that you pray one time and it's done. But a prayer of importunity says you keep praying, you keep praying, you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking until the door is open, until you find it. You see what I'm saying? That's what, that's the prayer of importunity. That's a prayer God answers. So that's why I tell you, don't, don't be uh, ashamed about coming up, getting prayer for things that you got prayed for five times. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. I, me- I remember. Uh, <laughs> I-, I remember we used to have a re- what we call revival services, uh, no renewal services, whatever renewal services. Um, uh, we had about oh about fifteen people come on Saturday nights, and half of those in the band, and we had it was just a little small group, and. I said, you know what? We're going to just keep doing this. We're going to keep doing it until God answers us. You know, somewhere, some, somewhere along the line, God's going to answer us. Somebody's going to get healed. You know? and, and people did. Some people got healed. You know? And it's amazing. If you keep doing something, it'll happen. But what, what, what we do most of the time is we give up. Another prayer that God answers is one by one who honors his wife. Men, I'm talking to you that's married. All those who are married, raise your hand. I'm talking to you now, okay? First Peter chapter three, verse seven says, "You husbands, it didn't talk. It wasn't talking to the wives. It already says something about the wives. Now he's talking to the husband. You husbands, likewise, just like the like, like he told the wives, just like he told the uh, every, all of us to be submissive to those who are in thought of us. He said, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way." As with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman. We're not going to that. <laughs> and grant her honor. Do you hear me, man? And grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. God answers prayers to somebody who honors his wife. And honor is not just saying, hey, woman, you need to be submissive to me, you know. That's not honoring your wives, you know. Hey, you, you know, that's your job. You, you wash the dishes, you know. I, I, I bring home the bacon, you know. Come on, you better start getting wise, man, you know. Honor your wives, you know. Honor your wives. James 5, 17, 18, we'll pick it up here next week on our first New Year's service. We'll start here. 
because Elijah was a person who was just like us. Yet God answered his prayers, didn't he? And I'll tell you why he answered his prayer. Okay? I'll give you some insight on that. So next week we'll pick it up there and we'll finish up James and we'll go right into the new year with uh, what I believe God has given us for the new year. We'll review the old and we'll put right in the new what God has for us and we'll go for it. Okay? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you have told us that uh, we are to confess our sins one to another, that we may be healed. You told us, Lord, that we are to be effective and effectual in our prayers, that you answer those type of prayers, Lord. We don't have to just do one type of prayer and, and, and be condemned because we prayed one time and the mountain didn't move. Father, we have to find out from you by the Holy Spirit what type of prayer is needed for this situation. What type of prayer? We thank you that you have many types of prayers. And you honor many types of prayers. We thank you for sinning your only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you that for our salvation. We thank you for our healing. We thank you for our peace, Lord. And that peace will never end. Never end. It's going to increase. And we're asking, Lord, that you would increase your peace in our walk, Lord. We know you have left peace with you. You've given us peace, not that the world gives. You've given us peace that pass, surpasses all understanding. It's not a peace that looks at our circumstances. It's a peace that looks at your word, looks at the prince of peace. As long as you're on the throne, there is hope. We thank you for that. If there's anyone here that's... you haven't made that declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, I would like for you to raise your hand and we'd like to pray for you because salvation begins the fellowship with God and with the other parts of the body. Anyone here that not saved? Please stand. The prayer team, come up, please. There's anyone here that you need prayer for anything, regardless of what it is. Today is the day. That you can be delivered. Today is the day that you can be healed. Today is the day that you can have more peace. Today is the day that God can turn your situation around. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you.